0: Hey, welcome back to another episode of Mobile Home Park Minute and RV Park Minute as well. So I'm Tyson, your host. Today we're talking with my business partner and my friend Tim Steele. Hello, Tim, what's no, up?
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, man. Um, so as some of you listeners may have uh, heard on the, the previous episode, we started this this podcast I don't know, like a couple of years ago, and we did. I think we did about 20 episodes and that was really the first season and then we took a break. And so we're relaunching the show. And if you haven't listened to the the prior episode, go back and listen to that. But that's basically talking about what we're going to explore in this season. I guess we'll call it season two. Uh, But we're really going to explore just some different topics in mobile home park, the mobile home park industry and RV parks as well, because RV parks is really exploding right now and in this particular episode that Tim and I will do and and we're probably going to do others we we definitely are going to do others we're actually going to break down an investment an RV park investment that he and I bought together and hopefully this will be this will be uh something that will be helpful to you guys i think it's going to be more of a conversation um you know we're just going to walk through the process of what we did both to start both to start looking for deals, how we found the deal, what that process looked like, and it was Tim can attest to this, it was pretty painful. Um <laughs> to say the least. But we got it done and then we'll walk through where we're at now. We have gee, I don't know, we have a ton of stories, right? We'll try to keep it PG. But hopefully this will be just a first hand look into some of the things that we're doing, why we like the industry and and that That's sort right. of thing. So yeah, and I don't think either of us really set out when we, I mean, I think Tim and I had been talking about partnering on a on a, a deal for a few years. We've been at this for a, a while. Tim's a mortgage broker and does a lot of. Um, actually, you cut your teeth on mobile home parks yeah. back in the day. Yeah,
1: back uh, before every lender yeah. wanted to lend on them. Uh, it was it was quite uh, nice because we we had the secret sauce. But you know, today it's obviously a little uh, capital for mobile home communities, as, as, as you know from selling them has just been insanely cheap and a lot of motivation, especially after COVID with the affordable housing. And and that's what's so attractive about the mobile home communities as well as even these RV parks. But, uh, yeah, cut my teeth in mobile home communities yeah. and then capital dried up and it came back with a vengeance. So thank God for that.
0: Yeah. And so Tim and I have done a number of deals together as, you know, as, uh, I guess, colleagues, uh, putting together the financing Mm -hmm. and the sale. And then so Tim and I had been looking for property, and then we decided we we really were looking for mobile home parks. we flew around the country for, what,
1: two years looking at properties?
0: Yeah, yeah, had some good stories there and really stumbled on RV parks, um, not by chance, well, not by choice, but really just exploring higher yield. I think that's what a lot of people Mm -hmm. were looking for in mobile home parks. Certainly the last few years was a higher yield. I think we saw a lot of apartment owners come over and say, Hey, I can't find the cap rates and the return that I could before. What are these mobile home parks doing? And I think traditionally you'd had cap rates in the space around 10. That was always sort of the thing, at least as long as I've been around. I'm sure I know they were higher back in like the eighties and nineties. And so now because cap rates have compressed so much and people can't really find the yield, they're starting to turn to other alternative investments and RV parks now are really exploding onto the scene. And then, I mean, if you look at COVID last year, that really amplified the RV park industry and now today there was an article that came out about Thor Industries i think last week and Thor makes various different brands of RVs uh they're they're pretty big they're a mother company right um, like they're kind of they have Fleetwood right.
1: and all those uh mm-hmm. you know affordable brands if you will
0: yeah, so there's an article that came out that said they're like, I can't even remember what it was. It was like a billion dollars. They have they're behind in a billion dollar in orders or something through mm-hmm. next year. But it's just it's insane. So anyway, we we stumbled upon this property and uh it was interesting, but I think the the reason we were attracted to it was really the cap rate, right?
1: <laughs> it was. Yeah. Um I think my new saying right now is big cap rate, big problems, you know, more money, more problems and you know, it goes without saying that the cap rate compression on the mobile home communities, I want to go back and touch on that. We very much were interested in going after mobile home communities and still are. Uh, But at the time we were finding motivation, uh, not only in ourselves, but with sellers, it was getting a little, yeah, the cap rate compression was, it seemed like every month was getting lower and lower and lower. And there's nothing wrong with that. But with what we were trying to achieve, you stumbled across this RV park in Washington and the seller's expectations and stuff was putting it around a 16 cap when we count all income sources. And I want to say it was a 13 cap with just rental and nightly income, but uh, without getting into too much details, it's very attractive. Um, And we got some pretty good debt for it, but yeah, we're, we're earning it. So, you know, make no mistake, big cap rates, big problems, but they're very temporary and just getting, getting the property streamlined is, uh, you know, our challenge currently, but it's not impossible.
0: Yeah. So do you think, I mean I guess I guess a lot of people are looking at these now too because you know higher cap rates they the RV parks have tended to have the higher highest cap rates when it came to like multi-housing right so traditionally RV parks if they were transient in nature that is to say they're nightly rentals those probably
1: would have cap rates of what like 10 to 13 yeah, on average yeah, tradition. absolutely. Because yeah. we got to remember, RV parks, um, just like mobile home communities, I mean, you you can speak better to the mobile home communities. Uh, the density issues, I mean, aside from it, they're great for affordability, but no one's really building them. You know, there's not a lot of people going out and mm-hmm. building these things. A lot of cities aren't allowing it to happen or counties, wherever you're at. So these RV parks were built in uh, destination areas. And so um, I think underwriting them and looking at them, while they have better yield, a lot of that yield's made – um, six, eight months out of the year. I mean, a lot of the yield in this asset type is not consistent twelve months out of the year like you would with an apartment building or a mobile home community. So, I hope we don't see too much cap rate compression from a buyer's perspective. Of course, would love it if we were to ever sell, but it's um, yeah, you're not finding RV parks uh in the dead of in the middle of metro areas like you do apartment buildings and, and mobile home communities, which. It's part of the fun Mm -hmm. because a lot of these RV parks are in areas that you and I as partners enjoy to visit, even if we didn't own the place. So that's that's just Mm -hmm. it. These RV parks are in destination areas. And so, yeah, um, I think you you just have to look at them from a seasonal, get a good idea what their true occupancy is. And, uh, you know, be careful not to think that occupancy could ever be at 90 plus percent with RV parks. Uh, And so Mm -hmm. I think cap rates historically had to be 10 to 13 just to get a buyer interested uh, much less operating one, but I see that changing because you know the the appetite of consumers and renters alike they're they're okay with less, it seems like these days, and um, this could be a really attractive option, yeah
0: yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Cap rates are compressing a lot so what's what's interesting too, in the northwest, where we are, you see a lot of rV parks operating as long term, and I don't know what it looks like across the country. I think there's probably similar. Type assets across the country but i think certainly out here a lot more uh, rv parks are being run similar to like mobile home parks yes i would agree and yeah and you're starting to see that as a trend even where like a transient rv park will be turned into a a long-term rv park it's just a different it's an easier management play and thus actually reduces your cap rate even even lower because of the the more stability, but I wouldn't even say stability. It's just an easier operation I would say stability.
1: No, I'd I think. agree with stability. Yeah. So I mean, if you, if you take a transient park and you turn it long-term, you know, you're fixing your income, which is okay. It means you're doing less work because believe me, you can make a lot more money on these things running them nightly. Uh, however, your expenses are going to be much higher. It, it could be a, well, it's not a management headache. It's running a business. I mean, that's the biggest difference between, um, long-term on these things. And, uh, by the way long term meaning someone living there month to month even is is deemed long term uh versus nightly rates and trying to capture that you know weekend warrior business if you will or you know the golden years hitting the road uh two different business types uh, but the nice thing is once you own a park you can do either that's really what's you you can change it um if you need to pretty quickly uh versus some of the other assets we were looking at
0: yeah so so cap rates now like traditionally transient RV parks would have been 10 to 13 and this is probably even as recent as a couple mm-hmm. of years ago I see them now certainly in the northwest and again this is probably different from the midwest but they're starting to creep down into the 8 to 10 range which is a very interesting thing the long term RV parks you probably could have sold those year you know a few years ago for 8 cap right? Like somewhere in the, the seven and a half to eight and a half cap rate again, because they're a little bit more right. stable, they're treated as such with regard to mobile home park uh, uh, similar to a mobile home park. I would also add to, and we can talk about this later, but like Oregon and Washington, the way they recognize the tenant in an yes. RV park, it's not much different than a mobile home park if you're not keeping it. transient, um, But before we go there, so, in cap rates now on these long-term RV parks. I mean, we're seeing these trade at, you know, six, six and a half caps if they're in in well located areas. And so, you know, we've got a property we're listing for sale that's a that's got a big component of RV and storage, and that's going to be below a six wow. cap. And a lot of people can't fathom that, and I don't blame them. But it's just a, it's a testament to where the market's going. And, and really, I think it's a testament to people believing in this this,
1: this asset class, right? And, and people are figuring <laughs> it out. Well, and it, absolutely. I mean, COVID exposed that, you know, like an apartment building or a mobile home community RV park, um, if it were transient, for example, like our property we bought, you know, half of it is transient. It didn't get shut down like, uh, you know, hotels did and like Airbnbs and VRBOs did because, you know, the government felt if it's your trailer, you can be in it. You're not going to be at risk, maybe exposing. So while that's hopefully never going to happen again with vaccinations rolling out, there is a short-term memory by a lot of people I've talked to that hey, these are wow, these are one of the assets that didn't get shut down during COVID, um, and people paid their rent. I mean, their lot rent was really cheap. So you know, running against you know uh, you know pushing rents on an apartment building, and then tenants are you know whether it's advocacy groups or they just literally lost their jobs and needed help or had to be on deferral. I don't know if we saw that in the RV parks as much. Um, I mean, we were looking at stuff in the dead of uh, COVID, and it was amazing the collections that some of these, uh, you know, landlords were still getting versus not. Um, but I want to back up to your point about, uh, you know, the states, and we don't have to get into the details. But I just you touched on the fact that, you know, a lot more RV parks are long term up here in the Northwest, and the more people, you know, go to these parks and want to be long term and be treated as tenants, we're going to see more. I think. Mean, intervention by the government to make sure they may have the mobile home community landlord tenant mm-hmm. law, but that's okay from a ownership perspective because you know, mobile home communities. And if your listeners know them really well, it's going to translate well into RV parks. It really will, regardless what the States do.
0: Yeah, that's right. And we should mention that we're actually based out of Portland, Oregon. Yeah. So for anyone listening, not, not aware of where <laughs> we're at, that's, that's where we're at. Um, and so we operate in Oregon, Oregon, uh, and Washington and California, but primarily we're talking about Oregon and Washington right now. So, so yeah. So uh, back to this property. So we ended up finding this property, uh, some something through a cold call that we made, and you know we happened to find this seller who was motivated to sell. They would owned it two years, and they had actually bought it from the prior owners who had owned it what forty yeah, yeah, years, yeah, something like that, a yeah. long time. Yeah. And so, again, it was an opportunity we saw. And once we looked at the numbers, we got excited about it. This property also
1: has a different component to it as, as well. Right yeah. Uh, if you all know Shits Creek right now, it's uh, June 2021. That's a Netflix episode. It's uh, I like to reference that because that's the best way I can describe what's on our property. <laughs> that is a 12-unit motel. So, yeah, it, it, a lot of people hopefully know what that is. But if not, it's it's a motel and, you know. Cash Cal, I mean, that little 12-unit motel does really well, but it's pretty labor-intensive because, you know, we're not going to turn them into apartments, so.
0: Yeah, so that's definitely a different component, and, um, you know, part of what we're talking about wouldn't necessarily apply to all RV parks if it's just an Mm -hmm. RV park, but we really have two businesses in one, and we'll focus primarily on the RV park component because running a motel is totally different, but they're complementary in some ways. I think if you continue to operate its transient and and we'll you know, we'll add color to it based on our experience of it. Um, so anyway, you know, and we'll get into the specifics I think on on future episodes walking through the process, but in today's show I thought we would just continue to focus on you know, why we why we pursued the asset and then why we think This is going to continue to be something that we'll see in high demand. I mean, one of the reasons, too, is
1: we think the future of these these assets is going to continue to be strong. Absolutely. Right. And and, you know, like you said earlier, I am a commercial mortgage broker by day. And so I want to talk about the capital a little bit uh, with respect to these assets. Um, It's not getting as easy as maybe we saw with mobile home communities in the last couple of years. It is still a little more difficult, but not impossible. And I think you have a lot of sellers used to it being, you know, kind of seller carry or transacting with handshakes, but the the conventional lending is really stepping up for these assets. And that's what was attractive for us to, to take this property down while we were most attractive Mm -hmm. to the RV component. You know, we took the motel component just because we were able to get attractive financing for the mix. But I will say that uh, to your point, I think you take the motel out of it. This RV park was around a 10 or 11 cap, if I remember. And so it didn't matter. I mean, operation, operations, uh, two different styles of operations, practically it's, it's really running an RV park. And, uh, you know, for us, it was, uh, really good timing. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So what, what is your biggest reason you think why the future of RV parks is bright? I mean, talk to me about the upside you see in this asset class (laughs) and why you think more people are going to get into it and just, I don't know. Give me your thoughts on. Well,
1: that. Um, it's a great question. I think I have two answers for that. Um, the first, the first answer is the affordability crisis in in, in our market mm-hmm. specifically, and uh, people willing to live with less if it, if they can call it theirs. And so, you know, right now someone could come to our park and have utilities and Wi Fi and everything paid for on a what five hundred and ninety five dollar a month, you know, rent, and you know they have their own place. So I think that was the start of it. Um, you still have to live in smaller space and you're not in a home. But I'm seeing this this change in this, you know, movement of people being okay with less and being okay with domestic travel. I mean, one thing we're seeing at our park is people mm-hmm. are coming and paying for a whole year and they're calling it their vacation home, right? So, you know, yeah. I, I think the second point is with COVID coming in, people aren't travel? I mean, they can not travel a lot of countries, you can't get on a plane and go do what we did historically. And so I feel like we're going back to some of our roots from a consumer's perspective to go take families, take yourself, whatever you're doing and travel in these parks. And so that's throwing demand through the roof. And, uh, and I don't see that going away. I mean, we've seen, we've seen it in the past. And I think historically, the biggest opportunity for your listeners are these assets ran and they were analyzed based on, you know, retirement economics, like, who's retiring, who's going to come to this, you know, snowbirding down in the desert in the wintertime versus coming up here in the Northwest in the summertime. You know, I, I feel like now there's a good blend of uh, people are willing to live in these things full time, 12 months a year. And uh, that's a huge opportunity if you can get into the parks and get them cleaned up. Cause again, we're coming off of history where these deals weren't easy to finance and these, these owners are, I mean, the seller on our property was pretty, analog, if you want to call it that. I mean, he hand wrote everything and he, he had nice P&Ls, but uh, there's a lot of opportunity there for us. And I think more parks will be like that, um, both demand and upside. Yeah. yeah. Well,
0: in the financing too, I think you touched on a little bit, but financing has been, I mean, it's probably better than it's ever been for these assets, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yep. So I think as financing gets better, you see, you tend to see values go up. Would you agree with that? I do.
1: Um, And you have a lot of your institutional money that will play in apartments or mobile home communities all the way down into the smaller, you know, we'll call it one to 10 million range. They're not getting into the RV parks in the one to 10 million range. So your competition's lighter in the sense of being a buyer. Um, And so far, (laughs) we'll see if that changes. And uh, you and I just went through this as well. I think with the recent tax overhaul of 2017, these RV parks are very attractive on some uh depreciation acceleration uh that could right. be a little more advantageous and beneficial to your owners than maybe an apartment building right now and so yeah i know that is skewing a little bit of people willing to jump in um you're seeing more cash offers than ever before i don't know how much that plays into taxes as much as it does just the yield uh so maybe you can answer that uh when you see people come in all cash What their ideologies are around that but um, back to your question, I think from people being locked into the to our borders for travel to being willing to, to live with less, as as well as having an affordability crisis economically with housing in general, I think demand is just going to keep going up for these uh, these asset types. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, uh, there's a lot more we could talk about. I mean, I want to keep it brief on this one, yep. but that's really an intro into the into this. I guess. It, Series, I don't know if you want to call it that, where we'll kind of break down this purchase yeah. from start to finish. But you know, as Tim mentioned, we we are pretty bullish on this asset class. It's not; it's definitely an operational play. You've got to be strong in operations, and and that's that's something we're figuring out really how to manage these things. Infrastructure, talking
1: about the difference between, you know, maybe a mobile home community infrastructure and and specific to underground utilities and, you know, operations on the daily, weekly or monthly. So I would love to do more episodes and break down our acquisition and how we're running this place. Uh, I know we covered a lot and didn't get too detailed. So if your listeners would appreciate that, I'm certainly on board to do that. That would be fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the next one, we'll talk about maybe the, the, the acquisition process what that looked like from a, I don't know, high level, but we'll also talk about some of the things maybe we did and some of the things should we should have done, we didn't do that we wish we <laughs> yeah. would have done. Right? Some
1: learning so, things, some of those, uh, yeah, painful lessons, but lessons nonetheless. And uh, yeah, that'll be fun. Cool.
0: All right. Well, uh, thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks.